All right, welcome in, Justin in here. I am Joe Murray, uh, back for week four of the podcast. Uh, the quarantine is now, I believe, at week seven now. Uh, so we, uh, hopefully we get some light at the end of the tunnel here, but uh, I'm running out of TV shows. Uh, I'm watching like old reruns of uh, sports movies, even with commercials. I saw Major League, all three of them with commercials, and, and Bull Durham last night, and The Natural, all with commercials. So... I'm ready to get some real uh, sports in my life after a good week of the NFL draft. Uh, I'll give you some thoughts on that. We got Will Brinson from CBS Sports coming up in just a second here. Uh, just wanted to go over some of the uh, guests that we have this week. Uh, another great week coming up here. Will Brinson, as we mentioned, from CBS Sports. We got Christian Arkan from 98.5 The Sports up tomorrow. Adam Kaufman, he's from WBZ Radio uh, and also at DraftKings. Marshall Hook. 98 Father Sports up on Friday. Former Bruins goaltender Andrew Raycroft. Uh, we'll get his thoughts on everything happening in the NHL as well. So, without further ado, let's bring in today's guest. Uh, he is from CBS Sports. Uh, he's got the Pick Six podcast. Uh, I know people locally here in Boston uh, hear him on 98 Father Sports up with Toucher and Rich. What's going on today, Will? Thanks for joining, man. What's up, Joe? Good to talk to you, buddy. Hope everything's uh, well in your in your quarantine land. Yeah, I uh, it's it's I'm running out of gas. I think, you know, the TV button is <laughs> like you know, thank you know, thank God for the draft this week. And I know people shit on the draft, and you can swear there's parental yeah, advisory sure. out there. Don't worry about it. Um, you know, guys at the guys at the sports that were like, oh, it's not a sporting event. Like, dude, this was three days of let me just live a little bit with college football that I watched and bet on all year long, and maybe try to project where some of these guys go. So. You know, I'll just ask you off the bat, do you believe that the NFL draft is a sporting event? Can you bet on it? Yes, you can. And it's a sporting event, just like Russian ping pong. <laughs> or marbles or anything. Yeah, marbles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, like, I, I, I think that the draft, it's like, has become such a, I mean, you saw, I mean, they, we can't go out of the house and they still held the draft with 32 teams and 32 general managers and 32 coaches in their respective Zoom settings. Yes, it's a sporting event. I mean. It's, it, it does not require athletic achievement to participate in the draft. Anybody can draft, but it's certainly a sporting event. Yep, and uh, I lost a few bets. I had under wide receivers first round. Ooh, yeah, me too. That was, and, that was uh, good. I had over four and a half trades too. Mm. I had uh, I had uh, Andrew Thomas first wide first uh, offensive lineman taken five to one when he was taken by the Giants. That was a good one. I hit uh, actually hit. Uh, I lost a lot on uh, Cole Komet. Yeah. That was a dagger. 43 and a half. And the Bears are sitting there at 43 with nine tight ends. And they take another tight end. They take their 10th tight end at 43 overall. But I got it back on um, on day three. I had, this is, uh, I had a prop that was uh, – it was first kicker off the board, field, 70 to one. Wow. Oh. Yeah. yeah. That's a good one. So I'll give props to my buddy Dan Lifshatz, who does the over under podcast. Okay, about it, yeah. He, he had uh, Hilaire as the first running back off the board, and he had Hertz. Uh, going to the Eagles, it was plus 15,000 to have him go to the Eagles. He didn't hit that, but he, he at least picked him uh, to, to at least fall in that round. So I'll give I him a little bit. Uh, I, I had talked up Edwards Hilaire as the first running back off the board. And in fact, like, I, I swear this is true. Like You can't prove it. But when I was doing my final mock draft, I had pulled up in our like CMS and our content system. I had like put Clyde Edwards Hilaire for the Chiefs at 32 
And then I wussed out because Andy Reid had never taken a running back earlier in 58. Like, I wanted – I was like, this is a great fit. It's a perfect team. It makes sense at the end of the first round because they won't be picking for a while. I was like, ah, Andy Reid's not going to take a running back in the first round. And I bailed on it. I, that's, that's, that's the thing I'm most mad about with myself for this draft. The, I th- Overall, though, I thought the draft was good. <clears throat> I thought there'd be some hiccups. I, I, Trey Wingo wasn't great, but I think he kind of owned it a little bit. Um, you know, I thought the Zoom behind the – the Zoom fans behind the commissioner was a little – was a little whack. Like they couldn't find enough for the Chargers. You know what I mean? They had to like just fill the gaps <laughs> with the, with the new logo in there. But um, but I I'll, I'll throw out some day one draft stuff for you, and then I kind of want to get into your story and how you ended up at CBS Sports. It's kind of what we do here, so feel free to to let loose a little bit here. Um, so Jordan Love obviously was the upset of the draft. So I like Jordan Love. Um, at Utah State. I know he had somewhat of a down year last year. The year before, I thought he was awesome, but I was a huge Ch- Chucky Eaton fan. If you remember him, uh, the quarterback before him, I actually, uh, I actually don't remember the. Quarterback. Okay, yeah, he was a stud. Like, like he he put up better numbers. He wasn't Jordan Love esque though, uh, over at Utah State. But um, just the surprise is that Green Bay would just played in the NFC Championship game. Like, can you help him out with a few receivers or right. you know right. another tight end? And they go after a quarterback. I just I'll ask right off the bat: Is this to motivate? Aaron Rodgers. I mean, really, is this like some sort of like fucked up psychotic way to like get in his head to like be like, this is what we did with you. Now you got to get motivated a little bit. That's what we were talking about on the podcast. We're like, um, you were like, is, is this like, is this like a deep seated psychological attack to get Aaron Rodgers to demand a trade or like, I mean like, what? cause there's, cause there's no other excuse for not taking a single wide receiver in the deepest. And I don't mean the best, but deepest, well, objectively deepest wide receiver class in NFL draft history. And like they didn't take one. And then the the GM uh, Brian Gutekunst comes out later. He's like, we really like our guys Equinomius St. Brown, Marcus Robinson, Scantling, Jay Kumaro, Alan Lazard. It's like, do, do you though? Do you? Because you couldn't. I, I will say that like I think when you look back at the draft, um, having that where they picked AJ Dillon, I think it was like sixty two or sixty three, whatever it was. Uh, Jordan Love at twenty three. Like at the spots where they picked early the wide receivers, the good wide receivers had come off the board. Like there had just been wide receiver runs. But like to me, if you're the Packers and you're going to this draft, you have to be thinking, okay, can we get help for Aaron Rodgers? And if we like, and if, and if, if it looks like there's going to be a run, we need to make a move up to get one of these wide receivers. I think they were sort of done in by the runs, but like, I mean, Aaron Rodgers has 30 plus million dollars in dead cat space over the next two years. If you, if you try to cut him, unless you do a post June one cut, I mean, if, like the difference, see, the thing to me is like the difference is Jordan Love. So Aaron Rodgers was taken by the Packers as a late first round guy when Brett Favre was 35 years old. Like the similarities, I get it. But Aaron Rodgers was in contention to be the number one overall pick. The 49ers went with Alex Smith. And then we had three running backs taken in the first round and the first five picks with, with Cadillac and, and, and Cedric Benson and Ronnie Brown. And all these guys pushed Aaron Rodgers down in the draft and the Packers swooped in and took an opportunity. Jordan Love was just supposed to be taken in the 20s. His over-under was like 19 and a half. Like there, it's not like there was some crazy value at Jordan Love there. So you better be damn sure that he's a he's, he's going to be a first-round caliber quarterback if you want to take him there because otherwise you are wasting the final years of Aaron Rodgers' career. Yeah, and I, th- I just think A.J. Dillon, too. I watched him here at BC. The kid really is a star. I love A.J. Dillon. He's a monster, but he didn't, he didn't, he's, not a, he's not a 2020 running back. It's just not. It's just not. He's more of a boulder and – not the greatest catching out of the backfield. He can't do it. But... Catches <laughs> I know. I know. And I, I hope it works out. I don't know what LaFleur is doing. I know they were playing head games last year, but you're right. Jordan Love, I think, could have 
fallen pot. Someone maybe had traded up at the end of the first round for him or whatever. Um, but I agree. And, and dude, and locally here, there are scouts out there that think Jared Stidham is better than Jordan Love right now. Sure. So, you know, I guess that that's good for some Patriots fans, but not maybe a good look uh, for the Packers. Let me just throw a few other things out at you. We'll, we'll get back to Rodgers. Uh, Becton and his dad. I thought those highlights of Becton, yeah. when, when we first were watching it, yeah. I thought it was his dad that was getting drafted because he's bigger than him. Yeah. But he, he's a monster, man. I couldn't I couldn't believe, like, the size of that dude in his story. I thought the Jets had a pretty good draft. You know, the um, if, if you're New York, we knew coming in during 11 that they had um, – they needed to find a, an offensive lineman and a wide receiver. Like, they just had to get – like, you had to do it. Um and the question was going to be, do they go with Jerry Judy at 11 or C.B. Lamb, Henry Ruggs, and then try to come back and get the lineman in the second round? Um, and it worked out really well for him. I, like, I don't know if Denzel Mims is going to be awesome. Like, He has, I think uh, Ryan Wilson described as like focus drops on our podcast. Focus drops are not good. Focus drops are bad. Like if you're, if you're dropping balls because you're not focused on the field, that's a problem. Uh, but I think the combo of Mims and Becton – uh, for the Jets is about as good as you could do from that 11, from, from where they were picking in the first and second round. And, and I, I, Becton, the three guys that I loved in this draft class, uh, and I said this before the combine, so this isn't like Johnny completely, but like CeeDee Lamb uh, was my number three guy behind uh, 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 Burrow and, uh, and Chase Young. And then I, I Becton and Isaiah Simmons, I just thought that they were athletic freaks who were going to show up and, and, and blow up at, at the combine. And then, and I, I believe in what they can do at the NFL level. So uh, Becton, to me, like I'm not surprised that Dave Gettleman took the, the safe tackle <laughs> out of Andrew Thomas. I, th- I thought it was obvious he was going to do that. Like he couldn't take Becton because Becton has, you know, like it, it, it's just it like Becton is the aggressive pick at four, and Thomas is the conservative pick, uh, especially with the weed thing. And you knew that he wasn't going to take Becton, and uh, but I, I think that dude's going to be like his upside is through the roof in terms of what he can be as a tackle. Yeah, and I had Worfs going at four, and then he fell to uh, Tampa Bay in the box. We'll get to that yeah. in a minute. I'll just rattle off some other thoughts. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury was flexing definitely okay. uh, with what Jerry's yacht was very was interesting. That, no, that, that is that's the ultimate flex. Like, <laughs> but like I, I was saying this somewhere on radio this morning. When you're okay, so like like we're all doing videos these days, and everybody's everybody's showing their house. But like, if you're an NFL GM. And you have somebody coming over to set up, like you're not doing any of this by accident. You know, like, you, like there is a multiple day process for you to set up this 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 spot in your house where you're going to draft. Like Bill Belichick, he knows he's drafting at the kitchen table. He know, he did that on purpose. He put his dog there. He put Nike drafting at the kitchen table on purpose. Cliff Kingsbury is setting up his palatial batch pad with his no socks and his loafers and his like beautiful outdoor setting and his huge television and just no one around. He's doing it on purpose. He's it's a flex. Jerry Jones on a yacht on purpose. <laughs> Very true. And he ends up getting CD Lamb, which woof. Uh, you know, you can't pass on him. Uh Mike Vrabel's wild house. Um, which I knew I, 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 for years, he was kind of a wild guy here, you know, used to talk crap to the media, whatever, but the, the dude taking a dump in the back, like I didn't, I didn't see that until the end. Someone had to like point that out to me, but what the hell was going on at that house that night? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I try to think back to like when, uh, I, mean, I have a brother who's three years younger than me. And like, you know, when we were good Lord, when we were 17 and like four, like I guess 14 and 17, like I can't imagine what I mean, we did some of the dumbest stuff 
the just stupid teenager stuff. And our parents probably thought we were idiot morons. Uh, Mike Vrabel, because he's a because he's Mike Vrabel, more willing to play along with the bit. Like he like he's like, all right, look, we got you know we got three teenage boys who live in our house. I, you know, like three high school guys who can't leave the house. Sorry, they're being weird on television on purpose. But I'm not going to stop them because I'm too busy drafting these guys. Like, like he's just like, I'm, I'm going to go along. This is hilarious. Yeah, it's good, and I bet you the players love him. You know, and I know last year with that whole hype week with the Patriots and the divisional round, um, you know, Vrabel earned some respect from I think Patriots fans. Yeah, and, and a lot of a lot of uh, coaches that have come from the Patriots side to move on haven't been successful. But Vrabel, a former player, moves on, kind of pulls the old Bill Belichick timeout and delay a game move on the punt. Like, you know, I think he's earned some respects definitely from the players. I don't know how the Tannehill contract is going to work out overall, but like, just what do you think about the Titans going forward here? Like, the AFC's open now. You know, Tom yeah. Brady's not out of the conference now. So it, the Ravens, I thought, had an excellent draft, or at least they ran into some great college players, but – you know, are there any other teams you think besides at the top Chiefs, Ravens that maybe could uh, come out at least come out of this draft as some sort of like contender? I think the Chiefs and the Ravens are in their a tier of their own at this point. I mean, like Baltimore had a, I, you're right, Baltimore had a great draft. They crushed it. They always crush it. I mean, Eric DaCosta is. I mean, he, look, the dude spent 15 years learning under Ozzy Newsom. Okay, like, he, like it's it's the best possible learning on the job opportunity you could possibly have, and uh, and he's and he's and he's showing out. And like, there's a reason why Eric DaCosta, every year, he, like he almost even wouldn't get mentioned that much. Like people people wouldn't float his name for jobs because he wasn't leaving. He was just going to take over in Baltimore, and he played it perfectly, and he's doing a great job killing it uh, as their GM. Um, I, you know, I think Tennessee is one of those teams that can contend. Ryan Tannehill, there's going to be some regression. I think that's the concern. It's like, um, is there going to be regression for Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry? You know, I, and that's why their first round pick is so big to me. Uh, Isaiah Wilson, who's Georgia's right tackle, and th- like that's the important part, right? They lose Jack Conklin in free agency to the Browns. He signs this huge deal. They go and get a guy who played right tackle in a predominantly run-heavy offense last year at Georgia. I mean, Kirby Smart loves to run the ball more than, like, more than the Titans do, you know? Like, if you get Kirby Smart, Derrick Henry, uh, you know, they're going to start wars in the South. Um, And I think that, like, when you look at what the Titans want to do, Isaiah Isaiah Wilson fits right in. I I just worry that we've seen so many times running backs who get, uh, I think it's 370 carries in a year is the football outsider's number. Running backs who log that many carries – tend to regress from an injury standpoint. And if Derrick Henry regresses, Ryan Tannehill is going to regress. Yeah. And if that Titans offense regresses with no DMPs on defense, then there's some potential uh, serious fallbacks for him. But you look around the division, like I think the Colts are better than my boy Phil Rivers, uh, but Jacksonville is a hot mess and uh, and Houston. I mean, but Billy, 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 Billy O'Brien is, is doing some interesting things. Oh, man, Deshaun Watson, um, I don't know, I think he might want out, but I heard they're talking extension. We'll, uh, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Will Brinson joining the podcast today. He's from CBS Sports, uh, also does the Pick 6 podcast. Uh, you can chat into the show, uh, so feel free to can do that on Twitter or on uh, Facebook. Uh, get some people checking in. Boston native living in Raleigh. People saying, what's up to you, Will? Um, now, Yo, what's up? Uh, so, real quick, so, so, what's your story like? I, obviously, I've known you at CBS Sports. You've been a regular here in Boston for a while, but like, you're you're out in South uh, North. Was it uh, 
South North Carolina. Carolina. North, North Carolina. Carolina. Okay. Right, so right. North Carolina. We're the guy. We're oh, yeah. No shit. No, it's fine. It's fine. I'm not we, good we all have quarantine brain, Joe. It's fine. Ge- geography wasn't my thing. Uh, but, like, you're from that area? You grew up there? Like, tell us about your story. How, how did you, like, get into, like, how'd you get to CBS Sports? And how'd you get into this uh, crazy biz? All right, so I'll do. I'll try and do the shorter version of it. But um, I, yeah, I'm from I'm from North Carolina. My parents live like an hour and a half uh, west of here um, in in High Point, and I went to NC State in Raleigh. Uh, you know, I just lived lived in different spots in North Carolina, but basically lived here my whole life. Um, I was uh, I was terrible at college. I'm very bad at school, and um, and so I was finishing up college at UNC Greensboro. Uh, in the, uh, we don't need to get into the specific years and, and timelines <laughs> of this, but uh, I was I was also I was finishing school. I was working for my dad's law firm, and uh, as a, as a as a paralegal, certified paralegal. Holy shit! And and um, I uh, started writing on the side for this website run by Matthew Barry at ESPN called the talented Mr. Roto.com. Wow. I was writing, I was writing on the, I was dead ass serious. I was writing on the message boards, uh, doing fantasy football work, like just like answering fantasy questions on the message boards, got noticed. They gave me a column on the site. Um, and then I just, that's that literally my first writing job. I would get 25 bucks a month, 25 bucks a month to write for, wow. for, for Matt Barry. Uh, I'm not, I don't want to, I'm not saying that in a bad way. It's just like, yeah. it, was, it was the halcyon days yeah. of the internet and, uh, always an English major, always written my whole life. Um, and so doing that and writing for him, Matt, uh, Matthew gets the job at ESPN. I'm not exactly sure what year it was. Some people from the site went to ESPN. Uh, a couple more were hired by Jamie Mottram at AOL's Fan House. And I started doing fantasy, uh, fantasy football and NBA coverage at uh, Fan House and you can't even find the old article. It was like, I mean, this is like, like this is before the internet was big. Like Deadspin was around, of course. Um, and you know, you had blogs that were coming up, but like we could, we would write, you could write a story for fan house and it would immediately be there. Like we were, we were doing SEO before anybody else. Like you could write a story about a, a subject and it would be the top story on Google. And like now if you write a story about, you're like, you're just rolling the dice now and just hope yeah. that a story pops up there. Uh, and so I worked for Fan House for uh, I don't know, four or five years, something like that. And um, uh, and then in fact, uh, 10, years, uh, 10 years ago, because July will be my 10 years at CBS, um, I got a, uh, Matt Moore, my good friend, uh, who's at Hardwood Paroxysm, he and he and Lift Shats, I think, beefed yep. on Twitter once. Yep. Um, and uh, and uh, Matt, Matt, me, Matt, and Zach Harper put together a presentation. They met uh, my boss Eric K at CBS at a, uh, at a at a at a convention in Chicago, Blogs with Balls, and um, and uh, and we um, we put together a PowerPoint on how we could create like a network of younger writers at CBS. Uh, EK bought in, sold it to a boss, hired Matt, and uh, Matt recommended me for the job, and I got a job in uh, July of 2010. Damn. And, and and so this is why people are like, what what are you what is your advice for like getting in sports? I'm like, get get the job and hold on to it for dear life. Yeah. This is like that's and, and just like but like you know I think you see the radio a lot is if you can you have to be willing to do I don't think anybody should be willing to work for nothing, but you have to be willing to like take a job that might not be your ideal uh, position, your preferred mm-hmm. position. And you just have to grind 
And if you show that you can be valuable in a certain area, you're going to be given, it's like any job, you're going to be given other opportunities. Like they, like they gave you guys a podcast. You yeah. know, like you guys, you, it's not like you guys were like soldered into 98.5. You're like, give us our podcast now. Right. I mean, like, yeah. you know, you guys, you guys were doing the betting thing on the side and talking about it and, and they liked it and they gave you guys an additional, like, that's what you have to do. You have to yeah. be willing to, to take an opportunity and leap on it. Exactly. Hey, we did a podcast about gambling, which wasn't big. It's not legal here. Uh, right. and, now, right. and now DraftKings sponsors us. Right. Yet it's not legal in Massachusetts. It's legal in New Hampshire, which our signal reaches out to. So yeah. DraftKings is like, hey. This well, is and, 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 oh, yeah, right. DraftKings has to be like, they're like, all right. They're like, they're like on the state line, like checking yeah. it out. Like, but literally, like, though, they use the by the uh, by the code. Like, yeah. So it's like, yeah, drive to New Hampshire and use the app. But but you're right, dude. Like, you, so you can do like how far is it from your place? To uh, you can get from so we're we're just out. We're like in downtown Boston. Yeah. So you can get to New Hampshire in 25 minutes. What? Yeah, you can get to Rhode Island uh, in 35 minutes. What? Right, dude, realize, I, have you? Ever, you got to come to Boston sometime. I, I've been. I've, I've, I haven't been to Boston in a long uh, yeah, time. The, last, I mean, time, the last time I was in Boston was. Um, uh, I went and saw fish at Fenway Park. Oh, awesome. you're, a fi- you're a fish oh, yeah. head? Huge oh, fish head. People, people are A, disturbed by it, and B, like, <laughs> oh, no, because Toucher and Rich hate it. Because I was just yeah. thinking about it. Oh, yeah. like, haven't we suffered enough? Yeah. Like, haven't we I, suffered enough? I'd at, least smoke, I'd at least smoke with you, but, like, I'm out on the fucking dude. Like, yeah, like the music, I'm out on no, the no, no, that's fine. And that's fine. But, um, <laughs> yeah, like, so, like, North, like, like, my parents are very close to us geographically and my my in-laws are very close to us geographically like more so than like a lot of people i know and they're an hour and a half away like that's just north this is how north carolina works like it's it's just so horizontal so i'm just not used to the geography of like peeling out of the city and being in rhode island in 25 minutes yeah but it's funny like the new england patriots yes they are rhode island and all the all the states in new england but like they're boston t- they're 25 miles from downtown boston though like yeah, it's, not, yeah. it's not an easy ride, and like yeah. it's like the stadium's nice, but one of the worst uh, to get in and out of. But it's funny story. So how I started, uh, I went to Connecticut School of Broadcasting. You'll probably hear the the ads like, "Oh, go here." Uh, John Anik was my teacher, and I didn't know it. We were shooting the shit outside. He was a program director at some station. Now he's the play by play announcer for UFC. Like, and Whoa. you know, we we meet all these connections over the years, and like, dude, I I wanted to be in radio so bad. I worked at a financial radio station. I was selling I was selling ads and the guy goes, Hey, why don't you come work for me? I got a full time job and boom, kept on going from there. But like it's not easy. It's what I, you have to do. I mean, like it's you just don't I mean I mean like it's easy and like and, and like you, you know, you sit like I, I explained like the steps of like how I got my job and like obviously there's a lot in between like it's not it's just as simple as like, oh, I started writing a you know, like there's a lot that goes in between and yeah. there there's inherently gonna be some self-doubt uh, you know, throughout the entire process. Like that's just how it works. Um, but yeah, I mean like that's you just have to be you have to have like the mentality that like I you have to you have to know that you have to believe that you can execute if you have the opportunity to do so and then work your way into a position where you are given that opportunity. That is ultimately like, I think the explanation is what I, I have two questions. So you quit working in law to do this full time. Well, I wasn't a lawyer. Yeah. I was in a pen- the office. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, 
I mean, I'm not going to call myself a secretary, <laughs> but like, but like somebody might, you know. You're like, like, hey, <laughs> so I'm going to just like start doing this thing called fantasy football. So like, see you later. And they probably my, looked at you like, what the hell are you doing? Oh, I told my dad, he's like, this is the dumbest thing you've ever done. <laughs> we, we joke about that all the time. He's like, he's like, I think I would, I think I would, I wouldn't quit your day job, pal. He's like, I can't, you know, I wouldn't quit your day job. I was like, I, I really think I can work, Dad. Um, <laughs> But I, and I actually I went to work for a uh, there was like a, a travel uh, a travel related website in um, in Winston Salem here it was it was based out of there and I left the law job for that and was doing I mean like this is probably this is like the like there have been very few stretches in, over the last ten years where I haven't had multiple jobs like you know whether it's like a small freelance gig yeah. and this is sort of part of the business you know like if you're if you're in this business. You are probably you probably have you probably have some side hustle. Everybody right. gets some kind of side yeah, hustle. It's, yeah, it's all it's all fun and games until you got to pay your bills. Uh, just real quick, uh, you mentioned the fantasy side of things. Um, I've been doing sports gambling shows for at least five six years now. Um, it doesn't sometimes it's like yeah, it's sports gambling, and like <laughs> and there are there are other listeners that are like yeah, I don't gamble. So like my approach has been to like talk about the games on uh, using a betting perspective. So you did fantasy for years. Obviously, you've dabbled into the the gambling side. Um, <laughs> it, it, does it ever like for me? It's it gets in the way. Like I hate fantasy football. I like the daily fantasy. I hate regular fantasy. But like, do you ever does the gambling side of it and the fantasy side ever kind of get in between for you? Uh, you mean like, uh, like, like what I mean is this? Okay, so this week I want to play uh, Lamar Jackson, but I I have them. You know, not covering the spread against the Patriots. Oh, yeah. Week, you know? uh, yeah, I mean, I think that like part of my part of my my process for like betting and fantasy is that um, <laughs> I have a so like with fantasy, I just have a, I have a shit ton of leagues. Like I, I like I, I mean, it's like I don't know, fifteen leagues or something like that, which I which I think is a lot. Like I've tried to pare it down, and in every year I try to pare it down. And every year it just doesn't happen. I, I'm like somebody's like, you want to join this league? I'm like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And um, so I sort of take a. Uh, uh, a very like spreadsheet type of approach to lineups at this point. Like, I think I basically, I basically numb the setting lineups. Like I'm like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like the, it's, 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 it's almost like, it's just a, it's, it's a business like approach to set. Like, I'm like, all right, this is the best option. Like, I, I don't even worry about it. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. like, like it's, I mean, like, I'm just, I'm just not like even drafts. Like, cause I do like, I, I think I'm doing one right now. Um, I like, we do all these mock drafts with Jimmy Eisenberg and Dave Richard and the fantasy guys. And so um, it's like almost like the um, the emotion that comes into setting a lineup or doing a draft is has been lost at this point. It's kind of sad. Yeah, Dave Richard, a regular on uh, on yeah, Dave's always player. on. Yeah. He does a good stuff. All right, so let's get into the good stuff here. Uh, a bunch of quarterbacks went off the board. Were you surprised it was Tua first, and then Herbert, and then did were you surprised the Patriots didn't select a quarterback in the draft? Uh, so on Tua, no, I was dead right on Tua the whole time. I said that the Dolphins were full of shit and they were smoke screening and that all this stuff, like, like, and like you read, read these Miami writers and it was like, it, it was like, they're like, oh, Tua's their fourth guy, their fourth best quarterback. I said, no, that's not true. They've been studying this guy for 18 months. So unless he like lost a leg or like is a secret serial killer, they weren't going to just completely get off of Tua and they didn't. Uh, give him credit, the smoke screen worked because they got him at five. I, I don't know that, I don't think that necessarily that what they did is what caused him to fall to five. I think the economics of how things set up and the, the you know, the situation with Corona and like teams not, like, I just think the way that everything played out 
And to his injury, teams not being able to check him out. Like, I just think – I don't think the Dolphins caused him to fall to five, but they got him at five, and that's all that matters. Um, I was a little surprised that the Chargers took Herbert. I thought – I mean, I, I probably shouldn't have been. I probably psyched myself out of that one. Their depth chart, it was pretty obvious that they, they had to take a quarterback. I, you just can't go to the season with freaking Tyrod Taylor and Easton Stick. I mean, it ain't gonna, it, yeah. and I, I believe they like Tyrod Taylor. And I think that they – Anthony Landis said, I want – Ty, I, I, I want to win with Tyrod and uh, Tom Telesco is giving him an opportunity to do so. I think if they lose, I think if this, the Tyrod thing goes real south for them in 2020, you could look at their draft and you, you could see maybe sort of a roster reset here where if, if they don't have a good year, I mean, Joey Bosa is due for a contract. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams in the final year of the deal. Hunter Henry is on the franchise tag. Like this is not, it's a team that needs to win now. And that's sort of why I thought they might go defensive player and just try to double down on Tyrod and, and hope that the defense wins this year. Uh, the page, I thought Bill, you know, I mentioned like Bill Belichick when he does his kitchen setup, he's doing it on purpose. Well, Bill, Bill Belichick doesn't do anything by accident. I mean, Patriots fans should know that at this point. I think trading out of 23, which is something they've done frequently, trading out of the first round, trading out of 23 is a message. It should be a very, very clear message that we like Jared Stidham. Uh, you know, they didn't take a quarterback in the whole draft and they traded out of the spot where J Jordan Love was available and traded down. Like they would, they would rather have the what 37 and 71 yep. than Jordan Love. That, that should tell you a, how Bill Belichick viewed this draft class and B how the Patriots feel about Jared Sidham. I just think he believes he can win with this guy. So my only beef is they took Duggar. Uh, and the thing with him is, well, no, right. Hey, that's uh, that's an hour. That's a, I used to drive past uh, Hickory's like 45 minutes from my parents' house. All right. So do they play anybody competitive? Because what concerns me yeah, is – It's a little the, the, Well, just real, <laughs> real quick, though. The Patriots have selected defensive backs in the second round, and it just hasn't worked out. The Razai Dowlings of the world, like yeah. Duke Dawson a couple of years ago, never even dressed for them. So just selecting a, a defensive back in the second round. But another thing is, hey, I'm going to take a kid from D2 who, by the way, got injured and looked bored at times because he was so good. They know stuff that we don't, whatever, and he'll probably be a Patrick Chung replacement when it's all said and done. But every year, you're like, go, oh, go get Murray, go get Queen, go get this guy, and it's some dude that we didn't even have yeah. on the board. Like they yeah. drafted a kicker later on, and I'm like, I find out the kid is from Rhode Island at one point. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, we hear about his off-field shit. But it's like, how how do they, like I just don't understand. It's like I love the draft, but then they go after people. I don't know who the hell it is or if they're on anyone's board. But I at least thought that with the wide receivers that were out there that they didn't that they didn't draft one or a quarterback. Like you mentioned the quarterback thing, like I get it. They want to go at Stidham. But a wide receiver, dude, there were like 60 quality receivers this year at the draft. It, it's it, it's like uh it's like your buddy who like constantly mentions hipster bands. They're like, I get it. I, I get it. You like music that isn't popular. It's like Belichick's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to draft Kyle Duggar first. Like, I'll show these guys from my, but my dogs, my dog is going to draft an obscure division two uh, defensive back like with our first pick after trading down. It's like, could not be more on brand than drafting Kyle Duggar after trading out of the first round. Uh, with your dog at this like kitchen table where you look like you'd be playing bridge or spades or something like that. I mean, it's, it is absolutely perfect Patriots. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, the interesting thing about the Pats and I'm not, nobody, nobody's questioning Bill Belichick here, but I mean, the drafts haven't been that great. Like they just haven't, they haven't done, you know, and I, I will say this too, like 
if you look back at, I think the similarities been drawn, maybe it's 10 years, but because it's 10 years, but like after 2009, Belichick is, you know, he said publicly that he, he taught, you know, he's like, I just can't get the team there in 2009. And he had to really reboot everything with the culture and the locker room changes. And, and they, they did that ironically in 2010 when they drafted Gronk and then um, Aaron Hernandez. But I, I, it feels a little bit like this, like that, in, in that, you know, Brady is gone. This is, this is supposed to be the, you know, we're talking about all weekend long. It's symbolically the first post-Brady draft. Like, what is Belichick going to do to shift the paradigm in, in, a, in a Brady-less world? It's like, oh, he's going to draft Kyle Douglas. You know, it just feels like, it feels like he is, it, it, it really just feels like a message was sent. Like, and I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Bill Belichick was sending a message because he's Bill Belichick. But um, it, it, it feels like he wanted to retool this roster in uh, leadership and culture kind of way and, and pass, sort of pass the baton from the McCordys and the Patrick Chungs and, and the Stephon Gilmore's, these leader, these guys who are make up the foundation of everything. Like he, he has to find a new leadership core because the, the Brady is gone and, and, the, and the veterans are, are, you know, are getting older. So I think it is interesting how he will, how, how this draft impacts sort of the, the Patriot way, so to speak. Yeah, and you're right. They, they have not drafted a, an all pro in years. Literally. I mean, I know Jamie. Well, Collins. no, that, no, no, no. It's, it's a pro bowl. Because Joe Tooney was second team All Pro no, last year, no. but yeah, I know. I know. No. Tooney was at, Tooney was at, first of all Tooney was a great draft pick. Um, and well, I mean, who didn't give up a sack? I don't think his senior year, right at uh, at NC State. My man, too. Yeah, Tooney. Yeah, he's yeah, Tooney's a stud. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I yeah, I mean, like whatever the stat is, they haven't drafted a Pro Bowler since like 2013 or something like mm. that. I mean, that's look that that that's a testament to how good Belichick is. That they've been still good despite not you know not having tons of success in the draft all right i gotta ask you about cam newton um i saw the bet the the odds yesterday of where cam newton will end up and the favorite is new england mm. i, I per personally i think they could bring in anybody cam newton Jameis winston you name it make him a pro bowl andy dalton for that matter sure um what happened with newton there uh obviously was it just the injuries in the end was it just matt rule came in and wanted to go go with bridgewater i mean do you think this is a guy that could still be effective in the in the NFL? Yeah. So I mean, what happened with Cam is based, in my opinion, and I I said this before the 2019 season. I told anybody who'd listen. I said, look, if the Panthers are not good in 2019, then David Tepper is going to hit the reset button, um, and he did that. I mean, they 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 got Greg Olson, Luke Keekley, and Luke Keekley retired. But you know, there was, I mean, he, I, I think there was some intimation from the from the franchise as well that like, hey, you know, we are we are sort of hitting a, a roster reset here. Greg Olson. Uh, you know, was uh, mutually parted ways. And then later came out was like, uh, I mean, he more or less said, I got told to take a hike. Cam came out publicly, kept trying to like, you know, he kept trying to do these public, publicly. He was like, I'm, I'm absolutely starting next year. He was like, no, there's no chance it's happening. Marty Herney uh, is still there and, and, and ran the draft. Um, so unless something, a surprising move from the Panthers happens, um, he, he'll be the survivor in terms of uh, this reset. But like they, they, they basically wanted to reboot and, um, Tepper, you know, look, that's his prerogative. He paid $2 billion for a football team. You pay $2 billion for, for anything, you can do what you want with that thing, right? Yeah. And um, I think he wanted to – he had spent the first two years of his tenure really on the business side of things. 
and sort of developing things in Charlotte and you know, bring a major league soccer team and talk about renovations for the stadium. And, how, you know, he, he split, he split his, he split the team into two in terms of how he wanted to focus on it. And he, he worked on the business side first and now he's sort of been messing around the, on the, on the football side. And um, I, I think ultimately that uh, they just felt as if Cam was not going to play for the Panthers in 2020 without a, some sort of contract extension is my belief. And the Panthers did not want to give a contract extension because of the, the health risk. And they wanted to sort of shift how the, you know, who the face of the franchise is. And, and they've done that. And it's, it's, uh, it's a little Belichickian in the sense that um, there isn't necessarily a face. Like it's a Matt rule team. Like it's more of a program is what they think they want to do. Christian McCaffrey, I guess would be the, the guys as they get him the extension. But yeah, I think Cam's got something left in the tank. If you watch, Go, I mean, go watch the early part of 2018. I mean, that dude was playing really well, like MVP level well in North Turner's offense. Um, when you know, last year when he when he played early on, it wasn't the shoulder. It's, it's, it never was the shoulder. It's all about the foot. And these least Frank, these list Frank injuries can linger for a long time. Brady Quinn has said on my podcast that he he had he had a list Frank injury in his in, in the NFL and he didn't get it surgically repaired. He says it's the biggest mistake of his career because if you go back to anything, he, he would do that. Um, and so Cam had that done. But, like, it's just hard to know exactly where he's at with that foot injury without your doctors looking at him. I do think the thing with the Patriots that people aren't talking about enough is, so today uh, was Monday the 28th or Monday the 27th. Um, the compens- Today's the compensatory pick formula deadline. That matters to Bill Belichick a ton. If, he, oh, yeah. if you sign somebody after today, a quarterback after today, he doesn't count against your compensatory pick formula. That is a so, big, big deal for Bill Belichick. Oh, that is a huge Belichick move. There right? you go. So I think he looked at Jameis, Cam, and Andy Dalton as well. Because I, I think Andy Dalton will be released by the Bengals. I don't think you can keep Andy Dalton there after you draft Joe Burrow. It's just my, my take. Um, I, I think he saw that and realized, okay, if we want to sign a veteran, we can wait until after the draft to do it. Because A, that deadline, B, because just the economics of where the, the market is from a saturation standpoint. Um, and, and you know, that gives us better leverage in the draft and in free agency. Yeah. I just wonder if the off-field stuff or, like, the, the yeah. post-game stuff with Cam. I, I, think, that's, I think that's overblown. Okay. Cam, Cam, Cam steps in it. Um, and people, people just – Cam is, like, the perfect storm of – hot takery because you know he's a black quarterback who played at auburn so like alabama fans you know, at like yeah. like a bunch of like white alabama fans really don't like cam newton and there, mm-hmm. there's there's a bunch of bandwagon or otherwise um and uh and and you know he he has not always been um a perfect pass he's not a traditional quarterback he runs the ball uh he is outspoken about a lot of different things he wears his emotions on his sleeve i mean he is he is really just the, uh, the perfect storm of a lightning rod for, for takes in the NFL. Totally agree with that. And I, in a way, I feel like that's not what they would like, but. Right. So, right. But now, they, look, they signed Tim Tebow at one point. It's true. <laughs> they, brought, they brought in Tim Tebow. They brought him in. Uh, I, I, listen, I mean, I think that was throwing a bone for Urban Meyer or somebody. I, I, think, I think it was a favor. Uh, uh, they not, brought not him in. To- not to mention a player was, I don't know, uh, in jail uh, yeah, at the time. Yeah, they, they, needed yeah. a little, they needed a little heat off of it, so why not bring in his roommate? For <laughs> Does anybody want to do a Tebow press conference? Anybody? <laughs> anybody want a Tebow press conference? Literally, that's what happened then. Uh, just sticking with the AFC East, uh, I, I have two questions. 
Who's the best quarterback in the AFC East, in your opinion? And second, I have this feeling when I bet on teams, right? When everybody's on one team, like Buffalo, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every, everyone's going to be on Buffalo this year. And you know what? They had a hell of a draft, and they get Jake Fromm. Okay? I think at some point, not a hot take, I think Jake Fromm will be the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills at some point. It, it, you know, so, so, so Chris Chapasso, who is our, one of our draft guys at CBS, uh, and is it lives in Buffalo and is a Bills fan, uh, was on my pod on Sunday's episode, I think. And he had a really, this is a really, I had not thought of that. I think it's a very unique and interesting take. So Josh Allen, like, because to me, like, I, I said, why are you, like, why do you want Jake Fromm as your backup when you have Josh Allen? Like, that, it's like, like oil and water, yeah. you know, lightning and thunder makes no sense. He's like, well, Josh Allen apparently has come out and said that he loves having Matt Barkley as his backup because the things that Josh Allen is – so Josh Allen is, is, is strong as hell, as a monster cannon arm, obviously, isn't great at reading defenses and isn't accurate. Well, you know what Jake Fromm and Matt Barkley are? They're they are very accurate and great at reading defenses because they're not strong enough to win just on their arm strength. And apparently Josh Allen, by spending time with smarter young, smarter quarterbacks who are accurate, uh, learns a lot from those guys. And so I think that might be the theory on Fromm is, okay, you know, we got we use it. First of all, late round pick on him. Um, second of all, you know, he he's going to come in here. He is in no way a challenge, you know, a, a challenge to, to, to Josh Allen in terms of, you know, walking in in day one and like, you know, like, I mean, like there's, no, there's no competition. Everybody knows yeah. that. But what Jake Fromm does really well in terms of how he studies and how he learns and how he plays could potentially rub off on Josh Allen. Now, will that actually work out? I don't know. Um, but I, I think it's interesting theory to, to, to your question. Sorry for the tangent. But to your question on the quarterbacks, I would go uh, uh, Darnold, Allen, Tua, Stidham, um, with Tua and Stidham being three and four, mainly because at least we don't know right now. You know, One's a rookie and one's sort of an unknown I, I think I think Sam Darnold is is way better than people give credit for. Um, I, if jo- Josh Allen, if he takes a leap, the Bills can win the Super Bowl. Um, if he if he doesn't take a step forward, the Bills could finish seven and nine. There you go. You got a new uh, new segment for your podcast this week. Who's got the best quarterback yeah, in I like the it. I like it. in the AFC? Uh, all right. So moving on here, uh, Jameis Winston uh, has he officially signed with the Saints yet? Because when I heard it yesterday. I'm like, you know what? This is a damn good move for Winston and the Saints. You know, buy a year, I, see what happens with Breeze. What, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's a great move for James Winston. You know, the 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 logic behind it, if you think about it, if you're Jameis, like Teddy Bridgewater had to play and win five games last year, uh, but by virtue of going and playing for Sean Payton, if even if you leave after one year. And go back out and check out the quarterback market, which should be better than than it was this past. I mean, James just got um, he was just the I mean he got hosed like Tom Brady came to Tampa and so like, there's nowhere for James you know, there's no there's no room at the table. Um, but like if you get the uh, if you get a if you get a public recommendation from Sean Payton at some point over the next year, uh, then it's it, it's very good for your free agency chances. We saw that with Teddy Bridgewater. You know, he went out and got a $60 million deal from the, from the Panthers because he played well for, for New Orleans, but you know, I mean like work and he worked with Joe Brady, who's now in Carolina, but like working for Sean Payton has its benefits in terms of people thinking, Oh, if Sean Payton likes him, then maybe we should be willing to take a look uh, a little bit further. And, you know, worst case scenario, you go in there, Sean Payton loves you 
and Drew Brees retires, and you take him to the Saints. Yep, and, and who knows? Like Brees already signed that deal with with Notre Dame to do television. Yeah, the NBC, yeah. Got, and, well, and it's, they, it's it's a it's it's not a like his deal is a two year deal with the Saints, but it's all it's 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 a one year plus a dummy year. And his deal with NBC is, I think Andrew Martian reported, is just when he retires. So like if he uh, retires, you know, it doesn't matter when it happens. When he retires, he uh, he he works for. Yep, and I just think it's a good fit for him. Maybe learn under one of the greatest for a year and. Uh, exactly. Maybe that mold that uh, that Teddy Bridgewater did uh, last year with the Saints. Uh, the Eagles had an interesting draft. They needed a wide receiver. They get him, but they draft Jalen Hurts. And like I look at it as a kind of a good move. Like I think it's a little bit of a reach, second round. Yeah. But like you can't go with Tim McCown again in the playoff game if you get there. Josh, so we have a guy named Tim McCown. We have a guy named Tim McCown at our station, so we just call him McCown now. Like, that's, it's, that's, it's, that's, it's like, that's, it's like the it's yeah, like yeah. the, the on running joke at our uh, at our station, but no, uh, that's why I, I don't know why are Eagles fans mad about this? Like you, you had Josh McCown starting a playoff or like not starting, but playing in a playoff game after Cloudy yeah. knocks out uh, uh, after he knocks out wins. Like Nick Foles has a statue in front of the stadium because he was the backup who led you to a Super Bowl title. Like why why are you big mad about Howie Roseman drafting a backup quarterback? Like the only reason that you guys have anything, anything to flex about is because Howie Roseman paid a backup quarterback. People are like, that's not the same thing. It's like $11 million for Nick Foles over two years is basically the same thing as the 53rd overall pick or whatever it was that Hurts was taking. Like, I, I get it. You wanted two receivers, and I get it. Denzel Mims is there. I Sure, he would have been a nice addition. I, do I think Jalen Hurts is going to start a lot of games for the Eagles? No, probably not. But I do know that the Eagles have damn sure needed a backup quarterback multiple times over the past three years, and Howie Roseman has made it abundantly clear through his actions repeatedly over the past five years that he is going to he's heavily invest in the depth chart at quarterback even beyond the start. My apologies to uh, Josh McCown, who uh, <laughs> I, I, I tried. Charlotte High School football coach. Really? Oh, wow. Very, no, uh, he was doing that last year. He was flying, yeah, right. he's yeah. flying from Charlotte every weekend to Philly to play football as his part of his second job. Like, are you sure you don't want to back a quarterback with a little bit more concrete, you know, ability? Mm, yep. Yeah. Uh, buddy. I, I actually bet them last year and, uh, yeah, that, I that. tried. They, were close. they should have beat, beat the Seahawks. Definitely. Uh, I, I completely agree with that. And I, I, I always love to take the, uh, the underdogs. Is there, is there anything worse than backing a home playoff dog? who you were very confident in, and then seeing their quarterback knocked out of the game in, like, the first 20 minutes or whatever. I mean, you like, well, this bet's dead. That happened in uh, te- uh, Texas. Was it Colt McCoy that got knocked out? Of the, like, against Alabama? Oh, yeah. I yeah. Like, was like, oh, I kind of feel tight. Yeah, that didn't. It was uh, Garrett. Uh, is it Garrett? Garrett, Gil- Garrett Gilbert. Garrett Gilbert came in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. played at SMU and was a former yeah. Patriot at one point right. uh, as well. Uh, so Gronk and Brady, I call them the Tampa 2. I'm trying to get it copyrighted. It's, it's not going to work. Um, but you're yeah, talking- dude, That's good. I mean, Brady's trying to copyright everything now. He's, yeah. he's got all this merch. You should, make, you, should, you should make a shirt or tell uh, – uh, at uh, tell it so Jamie Machin, the guy who hired me at Fan House, is now at Breaking Tea. Um, actually, I'm wearing a Breaking Tea shirt right now. It's the Pete Carroll pimp. Um, you know, with, with a gif of Pete Carroll walking as a pimp. <laughs> I have that is, that, that is this on a shirt. Okay. That's, that, that's actually funny. So, obviously, here in New England, like there was the Parcells, yeah, to Pete Carroll to Belichick era, and the, Pete Carroll didn't have he had success in New England, not compared to Parcells or Belichick, but like those days, 
people hate part uh pcal yeah. for those days but if you think about it like we have ted johnson on at our station three yeah. times those were his three coaches for his whole career and they're that's all gonna crazy. be hall of famers someday that's but, crazy oh, yeah pete, yeah but pete uh, uh still still well, man, pete carroll gets a bad rap for his new england run i think i mean it's it's like a it's compared to belichick b he was great at usc um, and, and like he won a division time. I mean, it's, it's hard to win in the NFL. He went, he learned a bunch of stuff at USC, uh, yeah. how to properly manage the salary cap, and he and he applied it to uh, to uh, to the NFL. I, I still won't get over the seven to six playoff loss to the Steelers in the nineties, yeah. but we'll uh, we'll get over that one. But your thoughts on uh, Brady going to Tampa Bay and now Gronk coming out of retirement? Yeah, I mean, it, for Brady, the thing is, it feels like um, I, I still I still firmly believe that Belichick told him no. Like I know that it's been spun in a direction where people say like people are like oh, Tom Tom chose to go to Tampa Bay like he's got his freedom finally and he's going I, I don't I don't buy it if Belichick wanted Tom Brady playing for the Pats Tom Brady would be playing for the Pats this year like I I I believe that and I think Belichick was given the was given like it to me it's very clear like the way that the things that Robert Kraft has said and the way that this thing unfolded that it was it was Bill's decision on Tom Brady and Bill um is Bill is Bill Belichick, and he ultimately was not going. He 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 believes that Tom Brady's been he he believes that it's been a year. To, uh, you know, his, his, the axiom is like get rid of get rid of guys yeah. a year early rather than a year late. He believes it's been a year early for like five years, and he's just and he's playing with and he's playing with house money, and that the way that Brady played this late in his career was just a an aberration. It, it does not happen on a regular basis, and at some point the check was going to come due. Bill did not want to be holding the the, the bill when, when that check was due and decided to move on and just believed it was time. Uh, it worked out well because Tampa Bay is a perfect landing spot for Brady. Uh, the, you know, the Buccaneers seemed like a weird fit at first, but when you start to think about Bruce Arians and um, I think when you look at what Tom Brady has done in his professional career uh, out, outside of football, like, so he has these, uh, he has the Uggs deal. He has the Under Armour deal. He, he didn't take, a bunch of cash and just shill for these companies. Like as a, you know, like somebody doing a plug in a, a, a product or whatever, he, he was an invested partner in these companies that he uh, took money from. And I think he wanted to have that same collaborative approach to his next football team. And Bruce Arians was absolutely willing to do it, do it with him. I think uh, Jason light as well, the GM, I, I'm not saying they're like letting Tom Brady pick players, but I certainly think that if like, that they want to work with Tom to develop an organizational approach to how to win football games, um, I, I think they're going to be really good. I think I think they'll win the. I think they're going to win the division. I do too. Uh, I mean, like Mike, like I, I, so we talk about you talk about like getting away from teams that everybody's on. That's my only issue is like everybody's going to be on the Buccaneers. Right. So there's definitely some value in the Saints or like minus one twenty to win the division. Which, given this particular offseason, to me, it's, it's, I'll say this: going for twenty twenty win totals. And the schedule will be out uh, with May eighth or whatever. Um, when those win totals come out, I think people who are betting on sports, football win total betters, should heavily lean on teams that have consistency at offensive line, quarterback, offensive coordinator, and head coach from a year to year basis. Because th they're not going to be off season training activities more than likely, and if they are, they're going to be different or virtual or weird. And teams that are not learning new systems and not um, not forced to integrate new personnel are going to be substantially ahead of the curve of those other teams. Pitt, Pittsburgh is one team I'm going over on. They just yep. they, they have an easy schedule. The Ravens and the Dan, is Dan is Dan off Pittsburgh this year? Uh, he, no, he, last year he was. 
No, because he was giving me shit endlessly for I was all over the Steelers. And he's like, you're dead wrong. Are you guys talking about it on the podcast? I mean, you, you mentioned yeah. you, you mentioned me on the podcast talking about it because I never listened to it. And um, I didn't get off the Steelers, but I was giving him shit back about the Browns because he was all over the Browns. All like, over no. the Browns. So like I think it washed, I think it washed out in terms of like like I was this I was actually no, I was more right about the Steelers than he was right about the Browns. Because the Steelers at least had a playoff front of them. There's certain, Hodges. If you listen to us, there's certain things when Dan is like really hot on something, like Pittsburgh sucks, blah, 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 like okay, we'll go with it. But he loved the Browns. Loved he, also, the Browns. he also thought Pat Mahomes was going to be a bust, but he but but the next year he took Lamar Jackson to win the MVP. So, right. yeah, I, I, dude, I I had Darnold and Dak and uh cousins for MVP, and the one like the one guy I looked at that I was thinking about splashing on. Was was Lamar and I didn't do it, and it is a highly regrettable decision. And my big thing is whenever I see a square play, like like Texas minus one versus like SMU, yeah. I'm like, oh, this looks Texas. I have to be talked out of it. You know what I mean? Like, college basketball was really bad for that until it stopped being played. But like, because it was such a weird season, there was no like top heavy teams, so it'd be like. It was like Rutgers minus one at Penn State. It's like okay, that's such a effed up line. Like you yeah. just have to hammer Rutgers because like, exactly. like every like Penn State's ranked like twenty third or something yep. like that. It's like everybody is going to be on the Penn State as a, a slight dog at home. As a well, like that, that's my thing. I look at that small line and I'm like, this looks great. I need to be yeah. talked out. No, that, I, we would do that with our friends. We we're like, okay, let's let's bring up the board each day in college basketball. It's like it's like a what, there was one. It was like. Oh, it's Virginia at Purdue. Yep. Virginia's minus. We're like Virginia's rolled them. Yep. killed them. Yeah, we're like, we're like, okay, what is the obvious play here? We're like, it's Virginia. Virginia. We're like, let's take Purdue. <laughs> exactly. And Big Ten home teams last year absolutely yeah. dominated. Uh, all right, let's have some fun. Will uh, we? We've been doing. Uh, I do a segment on my show called Murray's Musings. So we'll do some musings here, and then we'll uh, we'll get you out of here with some fun stuff. Uh, so the Jordan documentary is out. I know you haven't had a chance to watch it. You got to hear the Rodman stories. But one of them was he needed some time off. And they said 48 hours. It was more than 48 hours. And he they hear a knock on the door. It's Michael Jordan at the door in Vegas. And they got to get Rodman back. And Carmen Electra is in the room with Dennis Rodman. And she does the uh, documentary last night. Dude. I think she looks better now than when she did 25 years ago. You got, I mean, like, and I think back to it, like Jenny McCarthy, Carmen Electra, like, Anderson. You know, oh yeah, exactly. Like, but like, dude, she looks better now than she did 20 years ago. You got to see it. It was, and, uh, and I would never disparage um, Jenny McCarthy, a because like I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't handle. Although I think she she married like one of the Walmart, Walmart. Yeah. Donnie, yeah, yeah. I've seen him at the Super Bowl. They like, like she doesn't look better. So, I mean, like, I don't, no, I don't want to. Like, no. She was an icon of the '90s, yeah. uh, host of Singled Out, '94 Playmate of the Year. Yeah, I mean, like, if you, I was born in '81. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm an adult male. Like, Jenny yeah. McCarthy was one of the one of the, the poster ladies. You know, but uh, she, it's impressive that Carmen Electra looks better. Jenny it, you got to see it. It's uh, it's good stuff. Also, Phil Jackson did Acid. I didn't know that. That's yeah. incredible. It must have. It makes sense. It checks out there. <laughs> and uh, he loved. He liked Indians. So I don't know if like he was a Doris fan and like you know Jim Morrison or whatever. Um, but speaking of that, Post Malone. I don't know if you had a chance to see this. He did a, a special this week with Travis Barker. They did all Nirvana covers. So oh, yeah, I was I was born. I don't, like, I don't like Post Malone, but I'll check that out. But me, same thing. I'm changed. I'm a changed man. Really? Well, yeah. So I grew up in eighty. I'm, I was born in eighty two. So we're about the same age. But like that grunge era, man. Yeah, Alice in Chains is my favorite band of all of all time. But 
Post Malone did it did did it justice. I Better saw than- uh, I saw Soundgarden in ninety five ninety six wow. maybe Soundgarden and um this little band uh wait who was opening for Soundgarden it wasn't um crap I gotta think about this but um it was at the uh, it was at the Phillips Arena in um, in Atlanta. So. Wow! Yeah, yeah I, I, I've seen Chris Cornell is one of the best uh, singers yeah. I've ever seen. Uh, I've ever seen live. And now, uh, poor Jay Cutler. Uh, remember, he turned down that job to play by play. Poor uh, him and Cavalaria getting a divorce. And uh, quarantine, man. We're gonna see uh, people people with kids, couples with kids. The divorce rate is gonna spike, and couples without kids, the baby rate is gonna spike. That's right. Like, the people with kids, people with kids are in, like my I, I, my brother's three years younger than me. Lives in downtown Raleigh here. My mom is like keeps like she's like I'm worried and she's like I'm, I'm calling Charlie I'm worried I'm worried about Charlie I'm like oh, yeah you're worried about the wrong brother like he's he's single he lives by himself downtown like you know what you know who's having fun right now Charlie he's uh-huh. playing he's playing video games uh, uh-huh. and, you know, when he's when he's not working um, and I'm you know I'm, I'm over here like dealing with a six year old like you know, you know you need to call and check on me. It's true, and I, I I agree with that. Uh, I would be I'd go nuts if I was stuck with a kid all day. Uh, all right, quarantine. This is uh, what we do here. Uh, what shows are you watching currently uh, during quarantine? Uh, well, so I know you don't like fish, or probably why it's for panic. But um, I will say that uh, it has been very enjoyable for me that both those bands. So, like uh, widespread every Sunday night, they uh, on on uh, on on the YouTube channel. They throw up an old show on Sunday night from like way back in the day, and Fish does uh, Tuesday night. So I've been, I've been, I've been, we've been streaming those. I've been, that's been kind of enjoyable, um, you know, for like some weeknight diversions. Uh, Better Call Saul. I'm not caught up on Better Call Saul. Oh, so good. And, and the reason why, and I actually think Better Call Saul is better than Breaking Bad, but we don't have time yeah. for that. Um, the reason why I haven't watched the Jordan documentaries, I canceled DirecTV and uh, and and actually just can't. I had YouTube TV, but then can't like cancel it too because there's no sports on. So like yeah. I don't, I don't have, I don't have any cable or anything, and I just, I don't know how to watch it. Um, and, uh, which is, I don't, I don't know how I don't have cable. This has never happened to me in my, my entire life, like 30, 38, 39 years. It's never happened. Um, and, uh, but, uh, Narcos Mexico is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been watching a bunch of Arrested Development. My wife and I, uh, went back through and watched The Office again. Um, but, uh, let's see what else was I watching. Oh, Ozark, Ozark season three was incredible. Are you a wrestling fan at all? No, I, no, I was, I was growing up, but I, I'm not. Awesome. I, I, I don't mean it in a disparaging way. I just not. I never got back into it. Oh, I love it. Uh, Dark Side of the Ring. If you ever get a chance, Viceland. If okay. you can figure it out on your. Is it like the evil, like the or like the, the the the. Is it like a, like an exp- like exposing the OC? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's exposed like Superfly Jimmy Snuka. Maybe is it like, like is it like ninety stuff? Oh uh, yeah, it's got like you know uh, the Von Erichs. Maybe you remember from the eighties. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They just did one from. Um, Oh, what was it called? Oh, it's like uh, a series. Yeah, it's a series, and yeah, Chris Jericho runs it. It's awesome. Okay, I'll they, did it the, they did the Benoit story, if you remember that. Uh, so no, that I mean, was- like, I was huge into wrestling in like, like you know, in the in the Hulk Warrior, you know, uh, Jake the Snake days. Like, I have, I mean, like, I all those guys, but like, I just never. I think, I think. Like, did you ever get out of wrestling? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. In two thousand, in the two thousands, I missed it. Everybody bailed. All uh, everybody our age was in. I mean, you were yeah. in on wrestling as a Monday kid. Monday Night Wars, man. Yeah, right. yeah. 
and and like I mean, paying for you, like mom and dad, we have to get WrestleMania. Yes. I like I don't care what what I get. Like take my allowance for a year, we will get WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, and then everybody got out in the two thousands, and so you either got back in or didn't. I don't think there's like anybody who's like half halfway into wrestling. You know what I mean? Like no. you're either in on wrestling, like like you know you guys are. I mean, Dude, we have a crew, like. Yeah. We have like a crew of dudes. We go like 10 yeah. deep, man. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, but I'm just out. I just never got back in. So it's like, I don't know. And like, and now I think the ship has sailed. And to, like, I would bet that in like four years, though, assuming that wrestling is still going and Vince McMahon somehow didn't go bankrupt over this quarantine thing. Um, like, who, I mean, the XFL just went from uh, like, we're robust and everything's going great to we are being sued for bank. Like, yeah. um, uh, I, I would bet that when my son gets to be about 10, that we start to get back into it because. I showed him what was it? We recorded something the other day that was wrestling, and he saw it. He was like, "Oh my god!" Oh no, it was uh, was there some was it, there was some wrestling event? Was it an old WrestleMania? I can't remember. What, anyway, he watched he watched like a, a match, and he yeah, was like, "That's on ESPN or whatever." Yeah, yeah, he's like, "That was awesome." Um, yeah. so I would bet that he. I will bet that I will get suckered back in at some point in the next two. WWE Network, you'll get lost for days. Right. Uh, uh, favorite snack, man? What's something you snack on during quarantine? Uh, Cheez-Its. I mean, Ooh. I. But ranking, but I have I have a constantly updated power rank, uh, power ranking of Cheez-Its flavors. Uh, one is uh, hot and spicy. Two, pepper jack. This is just current. It's not permanent. No. Uh, three, regular. Four, extra toasty. And uh, oh no, four is uh, is uh, the um, the uh, cool ranch uh, grooves. The yeah, what, about, what about the cheddar kind? The white cheddar. Yeah, people yeah, ask. White cheddar. Yeah. I, I like the I like the white cheddar. It's just not in the top five right now. Okay. All right. Uh, and then uh, two more. Uh, what will be the first song you play when you get to a bar and you can hit up the jukebox with the first song? What will it be? Mm, mm, that's a good question. Um, I'll say uh, mm, that's a very good question. You can think about that. And I'll ask you. A final it's, it's, it's a I'll say Naive Melody by the Talking Heads. Boom. Oh, good song. Great song. Get in on that one. And then last one here. Favorite sports movie. Favorite sports movie. Hmm. Uh, I I think I feel like sports movies kind of suck for the for the for the most part. Like really, as it just isn't like I don't like I I like them. I just feel like it's not an elevated genre. Like there's not like you know what I mean like like Rudy sucks. Rudy, Rudy does suck. Uh, I'll say does Jerry Maguire count as a sports movie? Adam Agent. My name's Eight Men Out. I was a big fan of Eight Men Out about okay. the White Sox scandal. Uh, but, oh, yeah, yeah. But, I, but I loved Varsity Blues. Oh, no, I'll say, you know what doesn't get mentioned as a sports movie somehow? I'll say Field of Dreams. Okay, yeah. I, mean, I, just, I haven't watched it forever. It's not It's not like bingeable. Var- I love Varsity Blues. Like I I think Varsity Blues is like, you kind of sound like a, a bag if you're like, Varsity Blues is a great sport because it's not a great movie. Yeah. But it's fun. And it, like, I don't, if you were in high school at the time, like exactly. I, I, I was Billy Bob, and we had, <laughs> you know, we had the, we had like the star quarterback who got okay. hurt. You well, know, we've been, I mean? we've been, we've been. I mean, like if you're our age, you were, you spent a, a decent portion of your like high school life quoting Varsity Blues and Ace Ventura. You know, like it's like, it's just, I mean, like it's just you can't. You know, you want you like Jimmy McCarthy. You listen to Nirvana and yeah. uh, and Allison Chains. You you watch Ace Ventura and Varsity Blues and and, and, and you wrestling. Yeah, I mean like that's just so yeah. Like I, I'll probably go Varsity Blues or, or Field Dreams. All right, now uh, he's Will Britt. Will uh, tell everybody about the Pick Six podcast and where they can find you. Yeah, a daily NFL podcast on uh, CBS Sports. Uh, you can get on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you do it. We uh, cover the NFL uh, literally every day, even though the draft is over and 
There's nothing going on. We will be doing the podcast every day. Uh, we're doing uh, NFC grades. We're up uh, Monday, AFC grades on Tuesday, Pete Prisco on Wednesday. Um, and uh, you can check it out. And, and if, if, if you enjoy hearing me talk at all, then you will, then you will like this podcast because it's me every day. Awesome. Well, you got a fit. You got a face for radio. I do appreciate it. When are you on touch and rich this week? When can we hear you? Uh, I don't, I don't know. It's a good question. I did just get a text, right? That's what I come Dan, in on yeah. Thursdays, but I don't know what time I'm on. You know, no, I mean? no, no, no. Dan, Dan just texts me. It's usually Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m. I think, but Dan oh. just Dan texts me and I like I, I I just I like talking to to oh, dude. So Toucher yeah. and Rich, dude. Like, all right, th- these dudes are like legendary, man. Like yeah. I like like they do these awesome bits. Uh, they've never done anything to get you, but one time Dave Richard though, like they were like calling and asking Dave Richard about like um, you know about like certain guys, and they were just making up names a day. <laughs> and, like, and it just one day he's like, I don't, I'm not sure I know that guy. You know, well, I, but I'm I'm hard to get because I don't like BS. Like if, if you ask me about somebody I don't know, yeah. I'm probably gonna be like, I don't know who that is. Yeah, exactly. Um, They're off to do though. Right. Um, and the funny part about Toucher Risto is that so like I live in Raleigh, right? Uh, and you know. I, Famously around here, uh, Fred called uh, Chip Alexander a hick. There you and, go. Like, and hung up on him. And so people are people here like, you can't believe you go home with those guys. I'm like, oh, I like them. I was there that day. And I believe Fred has family uh, in Raleigh or in North Carolina. I, yeah, yes, somewhere. I, I believe. Yeah. I think yeah. his in-laws or something. Secretly, it's Fred who's the hit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, though, like, if th- those guys are, like, legend, like, around the country, everyone knows uh, yeah. Yeah. who those guys are. Man. But, dude, I really appreciate the time that it was fun shooting the shit with you. Uh, like I said, we only get to talk every once in a while. But uh, the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports, he's Will Brinson. Will, appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. You got it, buddy. Uh, okay. Talk to you soon, You catch up down the line. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. So we'll uh, wrap up the show. That was uh, Will Brinson, CBS Sports. Um, fun times, fun times with, uh, with him. Just got wanted to kind of go over a few things that we get going on this week. Uh, we had will today. We got Christian Arkin tomorrow. Uh, and then we'll have Adam Kaufman. I haven't talked to him in a while. Love to uh, shoot the shit with him coming up. Uh, Marshall hook. He's from 98 from the sportsman. Andrew Raycroft, the razor joins us on Friday at noon. That should be, um, a good show. So, uh, again, hanging out all week long. Feel free to chat in. You can find all our shows, uh, again, just sitting here on Spotify, YouTube, and iTunes. And uh, I'll post everything up so you have it today. Will was an awesome guest. Appreciate his time and appreciate everyone checking in the support. We're on week four now of the show. So, uh, again, I'm going to start mixing up some stuff. We'll get over the draft. Uh, we'll start doing some, you know, fun stuff when it comes down to it. Uh, going forward here and i've been watching some shows that i'd love to discuss and music arguments and all that shit so anyways uh that's it for today give them do an hour and that's it and then we'll back tomorrow with christian arkand i'm joe Murray, just sitting here we'll talk to you then